So, I'm recording with you from a new location. What? My desk has moved approximately 13 feet. Is that put in a new room? <laughs> no, it's it the just... same room. We Aaron has been asking to rearrange the bedroom for a while now. Mm. And today we finally did it. The entire room is completely rearranged. And so my desk has moved along with every other piece of furniture. Uh, it took a while to do it all because it's like we had to move a whole bunch of stuff out of the bedroom completely including everything that was under the bed and the amount of things that we have under the bed is like the entire footprint of the bed like it's full totally full uh so we had to pull everything out from under there and then rearrange things within the bedroom and bring stuff in and it took us a while to figure out where does everything actually need to go and in order <laughs> to get everything where it needed to go we needed to like then reorganize the closet and it was a whole thing Oh, no. Um, but the result is I no longer have my, my window office. Mm. Uh, I, I no longer look out the window. The window is off to my right, um, just teasing me. Sad face. Yeah. And so my and I'm now sitting next to the wall that, like, adjoins the living room, so I have no idea how much Aaron can hear right now. Because up until mm. now, I, I kind of – my my where my desk was was a little corner of the room and i had a little divider at the end of the bed and mm-hmm. i'd set up this whole little mini area for me and that divider while it's now it's still available it's you know not up right now and i can tell and, I, and i'm going to be very curious to hear when i listen back that this room sounds way more echoey right now as i talk Oh, based on how things were rearranged and the fact that I don't have this thing set up with like a big curtain and all this sort of stuff. So I don't know how that's going to sound, but I can like almost hear my own echo, even though I'm wearing headphones. So that'll be interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, do you ever, especially living alone, have you, do you ever get the bug to rearrange stuff like that? Get the bug, like, I I get the bug to do it, but the bug never bites me hard enough for me to do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you kind of, you just kind of see it scurrying around, you say, not today. <laughs> well, I always feel like, oh, like, what if I rearranged it? And then I'm, I'm always like, no, that would suck less than what I have now, or suck uh-huh. more than what I have now. Yeah. So, like. Well, especially, yeah, thinking about your and, apartment setup, I feel like you have things in a logical place. Yeah. And the other thing is, like, it's just such a pain in the butt to move stuff when you're alone. Yep. Um, you're really limited in what you can do. Yeah. Like, I I have moved stuff on my own before, but every time I've done it, I've been like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. That wasn't fun. <laughs> sure. Like, I like I moved my whole couch alone one time. Well, and I, I guess I, like, put together this couch and, like, moved it into a place. And, like, every time I've moved a couch on my own, it sucked. Especially because I've got it like on an area rug, so it's like, hey, you gotta like be picking it up and like move that corner a little bit. You can't move it too far because it's just dragging the rug along on the other side. <laughs> yeah, Nightmares. man, Nightmares. we have a big area rug, and even with two of us, it's annoying to deal with. Mm-hmm. So you have my sympathy there. Uh, but yeah, luckily, you know, I think our living room is very logically organized. Like we've kind of put everything in the only place that it could reasonably go. Mm-hmm. 
but the bedroom was like a point of contention from the start. Like we had sort of tentatively planned out using the blueprints of the apartment where we were going to put stuff last year. Mm-hmm. And then once we got here, we were, we were like, ah, it doesn't feel like it kind of fits that way. And I felt pretty strongly about like I would like to be next to the window if I could. But now that a year has passed, we've kind of reevaluated. And other than my current acoustic environment, I think it's probably an improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the big thing that makes that will make us feel slightly more adult is the fact that for at least the first time for me, my bed is not shoved in a corner. Ooh. So we have we have rearranged just enough that the bed has some space on both sides of it, which is oh, pretty novel for me. It was set up in a corner? Yeah. So you could like only access it from one side? I mean, from two sides, the end of it, and one of the sides. <laughs> yeah, I guess technically, yeah. So now it's accessible from three sides. Mr. Math Man. <laughs> but that's how I've always had my bed. That's how I always had my bed growing up. That's how I had it in San Diego. It's like, I don't have the luxury of space where I can just put my bed wherever the heck I want it. Like, it has to go in a corner. Because, like, that's just where it goes. <laughs> See, I'm thinking through. Wow, I've lived a bougie life. (laughs) I don't think ever since I was like a kid, maybe like in elementary school or something, but like all the way through college and like my whole post-college life for sure, I have never had a bed with fewer than three sides exposed. And I've never had a bed with more than two sides exposed. (laughs) Wow. How do you make see the okay, the biggest reason for me on why I like having extra size exposed is because how do you make the bed? Uh asymmetrically and it doesn't matter cuz you can only see two sides. Only those two sides need to look good. Oh. It doesn't, ma- it doesn't like matter what the other side looks sheet. like. How what? do you put on the fitted sheet? You got to be like on the bed when you're putting it on? Yeah, pretty much. I'm just used to it. Oh, that sounds like it. It's way easier doing it on a regular bed than in college when I did it on a lofted bed. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> no, you you right on that one. But I don't know. I, I feel I've like... I've almost fallen out of a lofted bed trying to, like, put a fitted sheet on it. I can believe it. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's like I'm I'm so used to having this sense of asymmetry in my bed situation. Of, like, there is a side that faces the wall and a side that faces away from the wall. And it's almost like avoiding stepping on cracks when you're walking down the sidewalk. You kind of do it subconsciously. Like, for the longest time, I would have a pattern in, like, how I fell asleep that that regarded the symmetry or the asymmetry. Like, the fact that there's two distinct sides to my bed. Hmm. Um, and also, like, I find, to be honest, I find it very convenient because Aaron... Uh, sleeps in such a way on her stomach that she takes up a lot of the bed. And when I have a wall, I can like almost like lean up very close against it in a sense. And I find that easier to handle than when I don't. Than trying not to roll off the bed. You can just kind of exactly cuddle yourself in the corner against yeah. the wall. That's basically what I do. Like I, <laughs> I sleep in a very small footprint and having a wall helps me with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, yes, I've slept in beds when we don't have that. Like, we've gone to hotels or whatever, and they never shove a bed in the corner in a hotel. But I think every time, I think every time we've been in a hotel, we've been in a king bed because, mm-hmm. like, those are basically the options. It's like you get two beds or you get a king bed if you're in like a reasonable hotel. 
Mm-hmm. So then it's much, it's not really an issue because the bed is so big that it doesn't really matter where I am. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. But that was a whole thing today that took a couple hours, at least, I think, to do everything. But I'm really hoping that my audio doesn't sound like garbage that I have to deal with now and figure out a way to make it not sound terrible. Like, I hope that it's just okay how it is. I was going to say, are you going to get some of those, like, fancy, like, streamer acoustic panels? I already have acoustic panels in this room. Oh, yeah. I feel like you've mentioned that now that you say it. Yeah, but it's just that, like, now without my little curtain thing up, it's just, like, I'm now not, I'm not speaking into the screen of a window, you know? I'm speaking into directly at the wall now. And my little curtain thing is not near me. Mm. So I'm just, I think I'm just in a part of the room where sound bounces around a lot. And I need to figure out if that's actually an issue or if it just is something I have to get used to and accept that it doesn't affect anyone else except for me. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll find out. I'll have to actually check out my audio. I've been lucky that over the past, like, several months, I don't, like, check either of our audio before I start editing. I just, like pull it in and start editing and it always ends up just fine you know mm-hmm. sometimes you're a little quiet but i can handle that uh versus with in, in ohack with jack and mikhail i always have to check their audio because there's inevitably <laughs> something wrong with one of them <laughs> and i can never tell who's who, who it's gonna be yeah so that's what we get recording every week i've gotten more practice it does help it definitely i've had helps. more opportunities to mess it up well that is also true um, and probably mess it up more well, but the, the thing, but percentage-wise, I don't think you do. And also, we've had a lot of time to work out the kinks. Mm-hmm. And it also helps that you have the exact same, like, setup as I do in terms of, like, hardware. Yeah. Versus Jack, Jack, I finally got him to get the same microphone as me. But he's still not good at talking at a consistent volume anyway. And a lot of times he forgets to put on the pop filter. <laughs> And and he has some very strong plosives when he talks. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think Mikhail just, like, uses headphones and records into his phone or his iPad or something like that. And so there's just, like, a couple of steps that I have to take to make that work. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But the other thing that happened today, I received my work laptop, finally. Ooh. Well, I can't say finally, but, like, Last September, they told us that they were going to start issuing laptops, but they kind of, you know, they got, they went a little slow on that because the main idea was, um, we now have a couple of days where employees can work remotely if they want to, or or work from home. Mm -hmm. And so they, you know, they decided we're going to give everyone laptops, but it's not as big of a deal until the office is open and people are starting to come back in. Um, So people have slowly been getting their laptops and new employees get it right away. But there's a whole bunch of current employees, which included me, where we were on a list to get a new laptop. But it was never clear, were they just going to decide in like two years, oh, hey, we never sent him a laptop or what the deal was, you know? Yeah. But I figured, even though I'm perfectly happy with my personal computer, eventually I'm going to get this work laptop. So I might as well just ask for it now and see what it is and deal with whatever it is. And I didn't have high hopes for it because the desktop that I had when I worked in the office 
was so bad that I used my own laptop for like two years because <laughs> I just okay. couldn't I couldn't abide by the computer that they were having me use. Um, and then they surprised me. The laptop that I received today is in every single way the exact laptop that I currently have. <clears throat> it's the exact same color. That's which meant hilarious. that I, I had to get a sticker to put on my personal laptop so I would know that it was mine. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and so now I have two of these exact same MacBook Airs, um, which is like, it almost makes it tougher to figure out what I'm supposed to do because it's like when I travel, the idea is that when I'm doing something, I can use my work laptop. But like I was already using essentially my work laptop when I traveled. So now I have to decide for each given trip, do I bring my personal laptop? Do I bring my work laptop? Do I bring both? Yeah. And, like, it depends on what I'm doing during that trip. Like, I sort of have to anticipate because my goal, I know that some people use work devices and do personal stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, part, sometimes out of necessity, like, my dad has a, has a phone issued to him from work. Mm. And so it's just like he's not going to get another phone. He just uses that for everything. And I know Jack used his work laptop for personal stuff for a long time. And so, but but I don't want to do that. Like it feels mm-hmm. weird. My like my goal in having the work laptop is to be able to be a bit more focused and not have my personal YouTube account there being like, "Hey, Mark, watch this video." Mm-hmm. But now I have two laptops that I have to deal with that are exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> yikes uh, like it would have been an easier decision had they given me a worse version of my current computer which is what i was expecting like mm. my current computer is like you know it's a slightly nicer version of a macbook air it was actually aaron's but she ended up getting a new computer for from work and or for work and so i was able to uh grab up this one from her um and so i was expecting a worse version and I was like, well, that'll make it easy. I'll just, I'll use it when I'm supposed to. And then when I go travel or whatever, I'll just leave it behind. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, it feels weirder to do that in a way. Mm-hmm. But I also don't know what the, it's unclear to me what our company policy is regarding these computers. Is it expected that I use it? Do they have any way to know what I'm doing on the computer? Or is it only like an yeah. as needed audit at times uh-huh. like they they have one piece of software that's running called log me in but from what i can tell it looks like it's just like for technical support like so that our tech support team could like you know look at what your screen is doing and like provide direct support if you needed it yeah but i don't actually know if that's all it does so it's very confusing to me mhm it's a hoot so it's yeah, it's, sure it's partially good. it's partially my excuse. I was telling Aaron before, even before, I was like, you know, I think whatever this computer is, I know that it's going to be because I knew at least that it was a MacBook Air, so I knew it was going to be like the same kind of computer. I honestly didn't expect mm. it to be the same color because I have like the space gray color. I would have oh. expected the company one to be silver. Yeah. Like in my head, I was like, well, of course I'm going to get a silver one. It didn't even cross my mind that they sent me a space gray one. But no, it's space gray as well. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so now it's like, well, I guess I have to get a new computer at some point. <laughs> uh, Maybe. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Luckily, Aaron did have a sticker on hand that I could put on my personal one. And it's a nice, mm-hmm. like, uh, 
like a vinyl like vi- yeah like a vinyl one so it's not gonna ruin my laptop when i trade it in eventually mm-hmm. so i was wondering if it was like a, a gold star or something <laughs> no it is a it's a logo from a podcast that we both listen to okay that she got when she ordered some like a sweatshirt or something from their shop Mm-hmm. so yeah i'll, I'll consider man, now that there's one sticker it kind of opens up the floodgates and maybe i'll go crazy on getting like cool vinyl stickers for it but for now just the one just just enough it's over it's over the apple logo just so i have some point of differentiation between them mm-hmm. I drink water I've been slamming ginger the last few days. Yo, dude. I bought a 12-pack of Seagram's, which, like, isn't good ginger. Like, it's on the same level as, like, Shrubs or Canada Dry. I think it's better than Canada Dry, but most things are. But I've been, like, yeah, I've been keeping them stocked up in the fridge. It's been good. Have you gotten yourself any any fancy ginger ale? I haven't. Gotta get on that, bud. I haven't purchased a carbonated beverage... In a long time. Yeah, but you're also not going to fly for a long time, so get yourself some nice ginger ale. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> I don't have, like, ginger ale, like, events in my life these days. I mean, sitting at home is a ginger ale event. Oh, I could drink it get while I'm watching Lost ale. in Space. Yeah, there you, you go. You inspired me to start watching Lost in Space. Nice. I watched the first two episodes of The Expanse. Um, when ah! I went back to Minnesota, but I haven't taken the time to watch like any TV since I got back. So I've only watched the first two episodes, but I liked them. So I'm definitely going to continue watching. That's good. Uh, the first season is still downloaded onto my iPad. So when I think about it, I will actually continue watching it, but lit hashtag lit lost in space is also good. Very different. I have a feeling, uh, the first season is a little awkward at times, but <laughs> Yeah. Like, the I'm, acting is awkward, but I just like the story. Like, it's just kind of engaging. I'm Things are starting to come back to me, and I'm starting to remember why I didn't like it. <laughs> but I'm starting to care less about the reasons. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I could, like, it's one of those things where, like, when I had a mind, I, I w- there was a couple of years in college where I was very critical of Marvel, of certain Marvel movies. And there were a few hills that I died on about how bad some of the movies were as like both movies and like the plots and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I was used to be very strongly of the opinion that Civil War was a terrible movie, mm. uh, which I think other than like probably like Infinity War and Endgame, I think is one of the most more highly praised Marvel movies. And, and I would get in arguments with, with a few friends from college who very much loved that movie about how bad I thought it was. But I'm kind of over that at this point, and Lost in Space was one of those shows where I went into it not wanting to be critical, and so I just enjoyed the parts that I enjoyed, and the mm-hmm. rest was just sort of whatever. I feel like for me right now, it's less being critical and just, like, things... I'm, I'm noticing things about myself in watching TV shows that I have a hard time with. Hmm. And, like, the one right now with Lost in Space is I have a hard time w- with, like... Demon, like intentionally unlikable and evil characters who are just tricking everyone um <laughs> you don't like dr smith <laughs> no and it just like it makes me cringe it, it like it makes it harder to watch the show because i dislike them so much and they're not there's not bad things happening to them yet yep i agree and so keep waiting <laughs> i know <laughs> ah it just like it, yeah, it drives me crazy a little bit because I just 
No, I agree with I you. I don't know if it's like an internal like sense of or a need for justice or something, but it's just like no. No, I, I'm like, totally with you. I mean, gotta happen. If anything were to stop me from, or if anything was go- going to have stopped me from finishing that show, it would have been Doctor Smith. But you know, you got you got to take what you can. On to Grant's comic for real. <laughs> uh, he has brought to the Born Loser by Art and Chip Sansom. Uh, we have a man who looks like he's probably arriving to work. He has a nice uh, hat with a blue stripe around it, which kind of matches what looks like probably mittens that he's wearing. He has a little overcoat. Looks like he's wearing a scarf. He has a briefcase. Um, he is about to maybe enter the office or is entering the office when a man a bit taller than him, uh, balding, big nose, wearing a suit and a tie, says... You are late, Thornapple. And Thornapple begins explaining, Well, that's because I... Stop. You have an excuse for everything. And Thornapple continues, But that's because... And uh, the boss man continues, cuts him off. See, you have an excuse for having excuses. Come on, Thornapple. Or wait, yeah, Thornapple. Yeah, yeah. For a second, I thought that I just made that up in my head and you never even said Thorn Apple. Because <laughs> I wasn't looking at the comic when I said it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you... Ha- so what's how do you your excuse about- for being late today? <laughs> oh, for like delaying it? Yeah. So I could finish the episode of Lost in Space that I was watching? I can respect that. And so I could have enough time to take a poop? I gotta drop the kids off at the pool if you know what I mean. Oh, I know. I've watched Get Smart. <laughs> Wait, is that what it's from? Uh, I don't know if it's where it's from, but there is, like, he he does, I think he uses that line when he's on the airplane and Get I Smart. Thought it was all, I thought it was all pee analogies. I know there's Squeeze the Lemon. Yeah, maybe it was Squeeze the Lemon, but there's another one, like, there. I think it's a deleted scene. Like in the bonuses oh. for it, where he, he does like eight or I ten different it. line reads of that. That might be where I learned it. Because that's something I've been wondering. One of them is definitely is, drop the kids off at the pool. Is where did I pick up drop the kids off at the pool? Because I've definitely said it for a number of years. Yeah, probably probably for about eight years or so. I don't remember when Get Smart got out. Twenty thirteen uh, sounds about right. Nah, Get Smart came out when we were in middle school. Uh yeah, you're right. Two thousand eight. Yeah, because I've had it on my iPod Touch since then. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, what was I going to say? How do you feel about excuses? You, you you feel like you use excuses often? You feel like you don't use excuses? Or ex- even not even just excuses, just explaining yourself, you know? Well, this is the thing. This is what I wanted to ask is like, where where do we draw the line between an excuse and a reason or an explanation, right? They're the same thing. And I, well, I feel like it is defined by whoever you are talking to, their perception of you. Mm. Okay. Right? Kid, so- kids don't get to provide explanations. They only get excuses. Huh. Like, I mean, that's probably not always true, but I feel like in general... You know, like the typical uh, interaction there. And I feel like it's the same in this comic, like the power structure. If you're like a parent talking to a kid or a teacher talking to a student or whatever, 
you are less likely to believe that what they are providing is a quote-unquote explanation, but it's just an excuse for not doing what they were quote-unquote supposed to do. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you brought that up, because that actually kind of leads me into the real thing I wanted to talk about. This is the real (laughs) thing I wanted to talk about. But there was like a specific alleyway I wanted to go down. Uh Um, So recently I was going through a notebook that I have, just kind of paging through it, and I ran across a page where I'd written down some like, I don't know, like... I'm going to call them BS quotes. I don't even know what they are. Uh, I don't even like have there. There were phrases written in quotation marks without like attribution or anything. So I don't know if they're quotes. I don't know if they're things I just made up and decided to put quotes around. (laughs) You quoted yourself. (laughs) I don't remember what they're from. I don't think I made them up because some of them seem too like succinct for my mind. Okay. But one of them was something that actually uh, I'll just read it to you and see your thoughts. Uh, It is. Never explain. Your friends don't need it, and your enemies won't believe you anyway. It's probably Mark Twain who said that. Really? No, I'm kidding. That's just what everyone says <laughs> about every quote. <laughs> oh. Um, Thomas Jefferson. That's right. Abraham Lincoln. Don't believe you. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. That's what Abraham Lincoln always said. Yep. So never explain. Your friends don't need it, and your enemies won't believe you. Anyway, yeah, um, I think there is a kernel of truth to that. Mm-hmm. Like at its core, the ideal is sort of there. Of like, I mean, it is technically true that like if you ask, if you ask to delay recording, as you often do, mm-hmm. I may ask, but it's not because I feel like you owe me an explanation. Sometimes I'm just curious because it's some, you know it's conversation fodder. Yeah. But like I don't I don't care I don't need an excuse for something or an explanation. Uh, but but I think that this sort of is true, and I mean also think about it in the enemy way and what I was saying like a teacher versus a student. You know, ideally not an enemy relationship. That's obviously not good. But mm-hmm. I think culturally or like historically culturally that's sort of a thing, um, and. I think it's sort of true of like, yeah, don't explain yourself. like Or like pleading the fifth. You have the right to remain silent, you know? Like <laughs> um, your enemies won't believe you or it just won't go well for you if you try to provide more context. But I don't know. I think that's a, it's like a tricky thing. Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a middle ground there. Because there's a different, yeah. there's, there's people who aren't, fr- who aren't such good friends that you don't need ever need explanations. Um, like there are certain things that I may need an explanation for. If you Will Smith style came up to me and slapped me, I would prefer an explanation. Uh, but maybe you've turned into my enemy and therefore you feel like you shouldn't need to explain yourself either. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's not that you don't need to explain yourself to your enemies. It's just that explaining yourself to your enemies is a waste of your time. True. Cause they're not going to care what you say and it's not going to change what they think. Like if, If your homework's late and the person you're turning the homework into already thinks you're, like, a crap student, like, it doesn't matter what you say to them. They're going to think you're full of crap, even if it was, like, a like a reasonable reason. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, but in the slap case, I still feel okay, like that one, yeah. an explanation would be helpful. It would be nice. Like, never explain to your friends why you do something. Well, 
Eh, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. It's it's more <laughs> of like the I like how you said it. There's a kernel of truth behind it. Yes. Cuz it's something that I I ran across a few weeks ago and I wrote it down to talk to you about it in a few weeks after I'd tried it, messing with it a little bit. Okay. Cuz it's something that I started catching myself once I ran across and read that page and started thinking about it from time to time. I was like, wow, I explain a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ex- in terms of like, I don't know, like asking for forgiveness or what, like I have the very like Midwestern trait of like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> yep. And then just like followed up with a n- pointless like reason or whatever is going on in the moment. Yep. Uh, and it's, and so I've tried to do less of that. I still say sorry for everything. Yep. Uh, but trying to, like, I guess waste my time less with, like, giving needless explanations. Or especially, like, writing emails. It's something I've always tried to do a little bit with emails. But now that I'm, like, thinking about it, I'm noticing that's what I do when I write emails. Because I try to make emails as, like, direct as possible. And it's just, like, such a good – thinking about it in that way is such a good way to just, like, cut out all my BS, like, verbose, like, run-on sentence-filled trash writing. The Midwest tendency of providing more context than you need. Like, you can explain something without it being, like – Two paragraphs. A, a, yeah, a full explanation. Like, you can get to the point and leave it at that. Yeah. And – I think definitely culturally we have a hard time with that. And a sort of a related problem, it reminded me of a funny podcast that I listened to called Do By Friday. And for the last while, they have talked about what they refer to as the chicken problem, which is needing to couch things, like to like preempt an explanation or a thing that you're about to say like like pre-apologize for something that doesn't need an apology for. Ooh. So like the most common situation I think is if you want to talk about something that's like a that's a problem of yours, always feeling the need to talk up to first say, I understand that this is from a point of privilege that there are people who are worse off, blah blah blah, but I have this problem or but I did get this thing and I'm really happy about it, you know? Like, all that sort of stuff. And, and that's just one reason that one, someone might do it, but that's what they refer to as the chicken problem, is, like, not only over-explaining, but over-apologizing for something before you mm-hmm. even get to it. and It's not really necessary at all. Mm-hmm. I like the email one, though. I'm definitely... I definitely write too much in emails. I always, like, have the instinct to write too much in emails, but it's something that... I don't know, like, if I was taught it or if I, like, ran across it, but it was, like, something very early on in my life of actually writing emails, like, professionally was something about just, like, just get to the point. Like, don't start with the context. Start with the question or start with, like, the most important thing and then give the context. And I feel like whenever I think about emails like that, it makes the email that I was writing so much better and easier to understand. And I can tell when I receive emails like that. It's like, oh, thank you. This makes more sense because it's like, I feel like a lot of the time, some of the context is to like help avoid the chance they might, someone might misunderstand your question or purpose behind the email. 
but a lot of the times they know it and get it right. So it's like, yo, if I read the first part and then I skim the next part, it's like, yeah, I, I had that right. I can just go on. Yep. But it's also something that like emails from certain people is like, yeah, you don't, you, no one's ever said this to you. Uh, you, you write emails like a, f- uh, uh, <laughs> like a, who caught myself real close there. Uh, like, uh, like Frankenstein's monster. Uh-huh. What it, like, I, I would like to dive into that uh, metaphor real quick, that uh, simile. Um, okay. In what way do you mean that? <laughs> oh, no. Can we go back? I just remember that Frankenstein's monster became very eloquent. I was going to say, it is, it is, they are very long journal entries in that book. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just looking at Frankenstein right now, and I'm like, yeah, that was a horrible metaphor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he can't, he became super eloquent, uh huh, and like super well spoken, um, and super fast, mm-hmm. super good at eating bugs. Oh, <laughs> let's let's reach over and let's see what. Yeah, there's some big words in here for someone that I just implied. Wow, oh. Do you ever write? Okay, this is this is going off the rails from my my comic is, and I have no idea what time it is. So just let me know if we got to move on. Uh, do you ever like annotate in books and then ever look back at them? Not for a long time. I'm sure somewhere is my copy of like Fahrenheit 451 that I annotated, but I think I've only annotated three or four books books in my life. Okay. So. I can't say I do. It would be fun if I did, but please tell me what you just discovered for, about yourself from no, it just, seven years I, ago. So it's looking back at my annotations with most books is not something I ever do. I guess I don't know if I've ever done it with like I've made annotations in all types of books, I think, but I've never looked back at ones in fiction. Okay. Like I've looked back at ones in like, the art of war or something like that because like reading that is less of a reading a story well it's not reading a story it's like a book that i was reading for intellectual purposes and thus the annotations were more intellectual what plotting my downfall something like that But yeah, I've never looked back at my annotations in a fiction book, and it's just like it's weird because it's like, why did I write these things? Some of them, like, I get why I think. Also, I did. I don't know. I didn't make too bad of choices. There were some things that I underlined that I kind of like. Yeah, I Especially feel like completely out of context when I don't remember exactly what's going on at this point of the book. Mm-hmm. But it's like, damn, that's that's dark. I feel like when I was for the few years that I annotated books, which was really just the first few years in high school, I, I have a, I have a feeling that I wouldn't enjoy going back and reading it because either the annotations would be too focused on a particular kind of annotation I was instructed to do because it was for a class uh. or I would be, uh, uh, I would have a good sense of how insufferable I was in my own brain at the time. Yeah. Like, you think I posed it as a know-it-all then, or now. Can you imagine how I was then? Think? Yeah. Oh, shoot. That's the second to last... That's the third to last page. Wow, I really flipped to the right spot. Oh? That's why it's real, like, dark and depressing. We're still, we're still talking about Frankenstein, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Modern day Prometheus. I maybe I'm gonna pop this one in my bag. Maybe I'm gonna reread this. Do it. It's a good book. I'm just reading like I've already read it twice, but I'd do it again. I think because I'm just like the page that I flipped open to. There are just a few. It was just I don't know. I I just like skimmed a few sentences. I was like, wow, that's really nice reading. Actually, uh-huh. probably gonna keep that up. How would it reread To Kill a Mockingbird? It's been several years. Oh my gosh, I haven't read that since eighth grade. I love that book. I I've probably read it three or four times, but it's been since sometime in high school maybe i did read it once in college i'm not sure but it's been a while i'd like to revisit that one you know what i'd like to revisit some animal crackers yum, yum, yum. by mike osborne bun by mike osborne so we've got uh two uh quadrupedal animals means they got four legs right uh-huh. uh we're going to call them dog horses. Personified dog horses? I don't know what these things are. Uh, one of them is clearly like walking away somewhere and kind of off screen. There's just the exclamation, ha! And then it cuts to a larger larger view where you can see the one very even more clearly now walking away. And then uh, another of the quadrupedal uh, dog horses or whatever I said I was going to call them, standing in kind of a pig pen-esque cloud saying, I'll have you know some species find me attractive. Ha. So is this a pig pen cloud, or is this like flies or like bugs? I'm assuming it's fleas, because I think they're technically dogs. Okay. But who knows? It's not important. Uh, What do you think of animal crackers? Oh... I haven't had animal crackers in so long. I feel like animal crackers are my in my memory of animal crackers. Uh-huh. They're one of those foods that just hits the sweet spot between like it's not like a sweet treat, but it's like just sweet enough that it's like sweet, but it's not like it's not like sugary. Yeah, it's like shortbread. Yeah. So, let me ask you this. Would you prefer frosted animal crackers? No. Oh, okay. Okay, would you prefer... What was the other option? Well, I'm, it's going to be hidden amongst the next two options. Okay. Would you prefer one of those huge, like, bear-shaped tubs of animal crackers? Or a small, the classic small red box that looks like a train carriage? Of animal crackers. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about with the bear thing. Oh. And well, maybe like, they're not don't come bears, but just imagine like a huge tub. But I feel yeah. like some of them, I feel like there's definitely some that are animal shaped. Well, obviously, no, I think I'm, I'm old enough yeah, and mature okay. enough I'm to say the little exactly boxes. exactly the right thing. I think I'm old enough to, and mature enough to say the little boxes because I'm old enough and mature enough to recognize that I don't have the self-control to deal with a big tub of them. That's properly fair. little boxes. That's something I can partition. I'll feel bad if I eat two little boxes. If I eat, uh, two, yeah, two plastic bears full, I'd also feel bad. But if I eat one plastic bears full, it's just a single serving. So that I wouldn't feel bad. Sure. Okay. So I never gathered what exactly these were. Uh, I, I know I said train car. Oh, it is actually kind of like a train car. 
but they are called Barnum's Animals. Ooh, so I feel, I feel less good about eating those now. That's I was just going to say the exact same thing. I just threw a picture of them into the Yikes. chat. Are they fortified with calcium? I guess. Oh, my gosh. Good old Nabisco looking out for the future of America. <laughs> yeah, sure. Something like that. <laughs> Isn't Nabisco uh, owned by Nestle? Uh, probably. <laughs> Statistically. <laughs> I'm trying to find their like website. I can't find them. Really? I'm already there. Uh, Man. What is Nabisco's website? Actually, no, I'm not. I thought I was, but I'm not. <laughs> huh. History. Yeah, Mondelez. Or Mon- Mondels? Mondelez? Don't they own Nabisco? I don't know. Nabisco makes Barnum Animal Crackers with their distinctive package art of a circus wagon. Um, Let's see. It's an American manufacturer, a subsidiary of Illinois-based Mondelez. Boom! I didn't know how to pronounce it, but I All found right. the right and one. Mon- is Mondelez its own thing? It looks like it is. It doesn't seem like they're owned by anybody. It looks like they're their own thing. So, do you have? Do you know what Nabisco used to be? Like where that name came from? No. It used to be up until 1971 was the National Biscuit Company. Huh. And then they just became N A B I S C O Nabisco. That's inter national bit like it makes sense I guess yeah. huh also the company's a one steak sauce which I just learned is made not by Nabisco I did not know that wait I thought that was Heinz uh I think no Heinz is just Heinz fifty seven steak sauce oh yeah 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 I'm an idiot uh but they had uh they they were they they fought against a venue called Arnie's Deli in 1991 because the deli was selling and using a homemade sauce called A2 sauce. And Ooh. Nabisco won that legal battle. Wow. Apparently. That's so not classy, Nabisco. Yeah. So I'm looking at their brands and products. They're going to be done soon here. But I I must say they have apparently have a product called Giggles. I've never And I need to this. know what these are. Nabisco Giggles are... Uh, made in the 1980s, they were sandwich cookies made with chocolate or vanilla outside and two types of cream in the middle. Mm. They were called giggles because the outside cookies had holes in the shapes of smiley faces. Oh, those are so creepy looking. They are really creepy looking. But and I also, just two, it's like a it's like a donut of cream. It looks like chocolate cream on the outside and vanilla cream on the inside. Like if it weren't for the faces, that actually would be really good. I gotta give props to whoever like thought that idea up though. Like that's kind of funny. Yeah. That's a unique thing. But I can just imagine with, like, manufacturing tolerances on, like, food products that that would lead to some horrific <laughs> real Real body horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, let's go. I'm trying to think if there's, like, another name for, like, what's the, like, funhouse mirror version of Giggles. But I can't Screams. think of, like, a, a verb. Nabisco screams. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm remembers. Oh no! Is that like a Family Guy thing or something? Yeah. Oh no! I mean, it's it's an actual slogan from Pepperidge Farm commercials, but yes, Family Guy uses it a lot for wait um, r- ridiculous things. That's a real slogan. Yeah. What's this supposed to mean? 
I've only I'm known it in the sure. Family Guy context, and it's just like so horrific there. I can't picture it anywhere else. Or, oh, like, maybe it, okay. I'm way. looking it up now. I'm looking on Know Your Meme. I could I could certainly be wrong. I could have been fooled into this for sure. Okay, no, I'm right. In the early 1980s, Pepperidge Farm began airing a commercial featuring an elderly man reminiscing about raisin bread that his grandmother used to make with the tagline, quote, Pepperidge Farm Remembers. And there's a link to a video of the original thing. And then Family Guy started spoofing it. That's so weird. Yeah. Like, now I get the context, but it doesn't make it much better. 